Okay, guys, so we're in chapter 6. We're going to be looking at verses 18. Now, we looked at verse 18 last week, but verse 18, the thought in 18 carries over into verse 19. So we're going to take a look at this and uh, finish up Ephesians. So what I want us to do is I'm going to read it, read the whole passage that we're looking at today, the few verses, and then we'll talk about it together, okay? Here's what Paul writes. Again, he's finishing up his statement about taking up the, the whole armor of God. He says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak, but to you, that you also may know my affairs and how I am doing, Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our affairs and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with you all, be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. All right, so folks, first we're going to look at is prayer. Okay, so remember, this was at the end of his discussion concerning the whole armor of God. And, you know, he talked about taking up the sword, which is the word of God, but also praying. So we're going to reiterate those points here again and just kind of stress some things here. So first of all, Paul points out that believers should be watchful and pray with every type of prayer. Every type of prayer. You're to pray any kind of prayer. Contemplative prayer, formal prayer, prayers that you write out. So whatever. All he's saying is pray. Pray. That's the point. Be watchful that means be aware of what's going on around you. Pray. Now, here's who they were to pray. They were to pray for all the saints and for Paul himself. So they were to pray for all the saints. That's everybody, believers, okay, and for all the saints. Now, I'm going to make a point here. We're going to look here at verse 18 and 19 here in a moment. But the word saints refers to holy ones and refers to all believers. So it's holy ones. You are a holy one. Not because you're pure and perfect on your own, but because of who? Why are you a holy one? Yeah, Jesus, you're Christ's righteousness. You have Christ's righteousness, okay? So you and I are to pray for everyone. Now, here, notice what it says here. I thought this was interesting as I was reading it. I didn't make a note for your notes, but you can write this down yourself. Look with me, praying, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication 
for the saints with perseverance. Now, what does perseverance mean? Sticking with it. That's exactly right. So when you are praying, especially praying for believers around you, you are to pray with all perseverance. Why? Because things don't happen just immediately in prayer, do they? And if you're praying for somebody else, sometimes that takes time, right? So it's basically stick with it. Don't give up, okay? Keep praying, all right? Keep praying. Now, what is Paul asking them to pray for? He's asking them to pray for three things, okay? Three things that Paul's asking for prayer. I would say these are three things that we could pray for each other. You can pray for me, okay? First of all, Paul is asking that they would be that they would pray that words would be given to him to speak. God give Paul words to speak. We need to pray that. We need to pray that for each other. So let me ask you a question. Do you come in contact with unbelievers on a daily basis? Yeah. Does sometimes the issue of faith come up in the week with somebody? Yeah. Now, when that issue comes up, do you always know what to say? Yeah, you never know what to say, right? But you want to be able to speak to them, right, about your faith, right? How should we be praying for each other? Like Paul saying, pray that God would give me the words to speak. I think that's the number one way we can pray for each other. God, Bruce is going to be working today over in Dubois, or he's going to be over in uh, Phillipsburg. He's going to be meeting people. His opportunities come up. Give him the words. Give him the words to speak at the right moment, at the right time, the right thing to say, or not say. Isn't that sometimes true? You know what I'm saying? So you ask for utterance. You for utterance, though, he wanted them to pray that he would speak boldly concerning the mystery of the gospel. He wanted them to speak, hey, pray that I would speak boldly. And about what? The mystery. Now, do you remember what the mystery was? We've talked about it. This, he's mentioned it again. He started out chapter 1, chapter 2, talking about the mystery. We got into 3 and 4. He talked about the mystery. What's the mystery? Remember, it was something that was not revealed. It's not like something mysterious, but just something that God didn't reveal until now. What's the mystery of the gospel? Anybody remember? Okay, the Holy Spirit, that's part of it. But actually think beyond it. Think before that. Who is salvation available to now? Yeah, Gentiles, and that's the mystery that God, that God would what? Take now Gentiles and, and, and Jews and make them one, do you know what I'm saying? His children. That's the mystery. So basically you are proclaiming, he's asking for boldness to speak the gospel, which is the message of salvation, okay? The message of God's acceptance of them and love, Okay? So that's what he's asking them to pray, that they would speak boldly concerning the mystery of the gospel. Here's the third thing, 
okay? Are you ready for this one? You might actually be shocked that he's going to ask this. All right, first of all, he points out that he was imprisoned for sharing the gospel as Christ's ambassador. So he says that in the, in the passage. I'm, I'm in prison. I'm an ambassador in chains. Who's ambassador? Christ. Why? Because he preached the gospel. Now here's the third thing. Are you ready for this? He wanted them to pray that he would speak boldly as he ought to in general. He just wanted boldness to speak in general. Why? Because you're thinking, it's the Apostle Paul. Can't think of a bolder guy, right? Oh, but he wasn't bold. He was actually, well, here, let me, let me take you to Second, 1 Corinthians, chapter 2. So let me remind you, when he was in Athens, he didn't have a really good time there. And so from Athens, he went down to Corinth. And reflecting upon that, he talks about how he was. Here's what he says. And I, brethren, came to you, when I came to you, did not come with the excellence of speech or wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in, here's what he says, I was with you in what? Weakness and fear and much trembling. This is the apostle. Goes into a new town. He's already been stoned in other places. Left for dead. Persecuted along the way. Here he shows up in Corinth and he's coming in weakness, in fear, and much trembling. So here's what he says. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and with and of power. So that your faith would not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So he's asking, this is why he's asking that third request now. He's asking that he would just be what? Bold in general. Good prayer request, isn't it? Because sometimes we get intimidated, don't we? Do you, do you know what I'm saying? It doesn't even have to be a spiritual conversation. Walk into a room, new people, we, we kind of show up in fear and trembling, right? So he's asking for those three things. He's asking for words to be uttered and for boldness to preach the gospel, and he's asking for boldness in general. So those are three things that he's asking for. And again, I would say there are probably three things we should be praying for each other, right? Now, typically, are you like me? What do you mean, George? What do you mean like you? Well, I know I need to pray for other people. So, okay, so I got my list, and I got Sam and Sue on my list for this week. And, yeah, I may pray about certain things I know that, you know, maybe they're sick or something. I'm praying for sickness. But beyond that, I'm like, man, what do I pray for Sam and Sue this week? So here, here it comes. God bless them. Do we do a lot of God bless you prayers for people? Yeah. Here, Paul's getting into 
specifics, right? God, when they speak, give them boldness. Give them the words to speak. Help them be bold just in general. He's getting specific about what to pray for. Actually, all of his letters give specific things that we should be praying for. Just look at some of the prayers that he does for the believers in general. It always, every letter starts off with, with a prayer, and he gives you things that you could be praying for each other. And, and I can guarantee you, when you tell people, well, I'm praying this for you, they're not going to be like, why are you praying that for me? They recognize that those are good things for their spiritual lives, right? Okay? They recognize that those are good things for their spiritual lives. So then that brings us down to, he gives them, in his concluding thoughts, he wants to give them a report concerning himself. So in verse 21, he's going to talk about sending a messenger. So Paul was sending Tychicus to them so that they would know about him and his situation. Now, Tychicus is obviously a Greek. He was a Gentile who came to the Lord. Uh, he's possibly a native of Ephesus. Anyhow, you'll notice I gave you a historical note there. He appears in uh, four of Paul's letters. His name appears in four of Paul's letters. So he's definitely one of Paul's companions. The Acts passage will give you where he's mentioned as being among those in Ephesus. So here's somebody that they know, Paul's sending somebody that they know to give a report. Now, what's the report? What's the purpose? Paul sent Tychicus to them to answer their questions concerning his condition. He didn't want to write down what, I mean, you know, I don't think they're any different than we are today. If I'm getting a message from you, you don't need to know everything that's going on in the message. Do you know what I'm saying? You're, you've got somebody else who's going to come and fill you in. So he's sending somebody to give, him, give them the nitty-gritty details of what's happening with Paul. And here's what else Tychicus is to do. Paul also sent Tychicus to them to, in order to bring comfort in the midst of their concerns. So they're really concerned about Paul. And so he sends Tychicus not just to give a report, but to bring them comfort, to tell them it's going to be okay. You know what I'm saying? To, to help them as they're concerned and so forth. All right, now, that brings us then to verses 23 and 24, which is Paul's farewell. And that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. We're going to look at these things. Maybe we can get a little discussion here, okay? So first of all, Paul pronounces a threefold blessing on his readers. So there's three things that he's wanting God to bless them with, okay? All right, and, and you as his readers, he's wanting God to bless you with. What are they? First, he pronounces peace to the brethren. Peace. He wants you to experience peace. Why is that important? Don't we live in a peaceful time? Does everybody have a chaos-free life? No crises happening? Life is perfect and wonderful? Can you see why he's wanting peace to be in their lives? Yeah. Now, do you think God will answer that? Yeah, sure. In fact, you go over to his letter in Philippians, chapter 4, verse 6 and 7, be anxious for 
nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. This is just a continuation of where he is. He wants you and I to have peace. Because we sure do need it, right? Because we are anxious. We are fearful. We carry it with us all the time. So he wants God to bless them with peace. He wants peace to the brethren. He then proceed, pronounces love with faith for his readers. He wants them to experience love with faith. Okay? He wants them to experience love with faith. He wants you to have both the love and the faith. Now, both of these... He points out that the peace and love with faith come from God the Father and Jesus Christ. They come from the Father. All right, so let's stop for a moment. So I know that out there, there is some teaching that says, you know, if you, if you just have enough faith, then things will happen, okay? If you just have enough faith, then things will happen. Uh, that's not, that's not, a, that's not, that's, that's wrong, because first of all, it's not an issue of the faith you have. It's the issue of who gives you the faith. Who gives you the faith? Yeah, God does, Christ, okay? And remember, Jesus said, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll be able to say to that mountain or that tree, uproot yourself and be cast into the sea. So your faith can be that small and still do great things, right? Other passages of Scripture talk about the reality that your faith comes from who? God. So when you hear somebody say, well, you obviously don't have enough faith or you need to pray that you have more faith, that's just bogus talking. That's not founded in Scripture. The faith you have comes from who, folks? Yeah. So here's what he's saying. So he's praying that we have peace, which we know comes from who, right? God. Love. How can we love? Comes from God. How does it come from God? Fills us with his spirit. We're overflowing with his love when we have his what? Spirit, right? And then the reality is faith. Now, here's the thing. When you realize that faith comes from God, that will change the way that you pray and the way that you respond in your life every day. What do you mean? Maybe you're in a dilemma. Maybe you need God to answer something. Maybe, maybe you need him to provide for, pay for a bill or, or take care of a health issue. And, and you're praying about it and nothing's happening there. The enemy comes along and says, well, you must not have enough faith. If somebody else was praying for that, they would have been answered. But you know you're not getting it because you don't have enough faith. You're like, does that really happen? You better believe it, it happens, right? But faith comes from who? God. See, this is, this is the point I want you to see. If you realize that, then that frees you up going and talking to him. Do, do, you, know, do you know what I'm saying? Because he's the one who loves you. Now, maybe he doesn't answer immediately. Well, then you've got to ask why. 
What is it that you, why, why haven't you given me the answer yet, Lord, or ever? I'm trusting in you. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm trusting in you. So he points out that peace and love with faith comes from God the Father and Jesus Christ. Now, anybody got a question about that? Okay, go ahead, Lori. Yes. Yes, we got to embrace these truths. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. I would say both. And what do you mean by that? Well, I, I, I once had a professor that talked about two wings of a bird. Okay, so... We're, we're at the time of season, if they haven't already gone, birds are flying where right now? South. Or hunkering up in some, you know, all those robins are hunkering up in one little group in the middle of some woods here in Pennsylvania, right? Okay. But how do those birds fly? They need to have what? Two wings, right? You ever seen a one-winged bird fly around town? Now, the professor was saying... One wing is your effort, the other is God. Both work together. How? We don't know. There are some things you don't know. Like, what do you mean, George? Well, this is Christmas season. Can any of you explain to me the incarnation? How God can become human? A, a virgin become pregnant? We don't know that, do we? We accept it by what? Faith. Okay, so God tells us certain things to do, but then he also says, I give you faith, I give you peace. Here, here's another one. So we are to strive for the fruits of the Spirit. The fruits of the Spirit are the things that the Spirit produces in our lives, right? We see that from Galatians chapter 5. I think it's verse 23 and 24. You go over to 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 10, and you see there, Paul says, with, Peter says, with all diligence, add to your faith, and then he gives a list of things, which, by the way, if you compare that list with the fruits of the Spirit, they almost line up. So in a sense... What we should be producing in our lives is produced by the Spirit, but Peter also points out the other dimension of it. We have a responsibility to what? Add to our faith. Love, joy, peace. Do you understand? So I guess what I'm saying, Lord, and maybe we had this, we've had this discussion many times, we are to do what we're supposed to do, but we also allow God to do what he's going to do. So 
we have a responsibility. Let's do our responsibility. God says, I will also do this. God says, have faith, right? Have faith. But he also says, faith comes from who? From him. Yeah, do you understand? Yes. Wow, you're quoting Bible now, Bruce. Faith cometh by hearing. Yes. Yes. Yeah, faith comes by hearing. Yep. Yes. Yes. Yep. Yeah, so there's human responsibility, but God also does it. And you can't remove it. So, like, so Lori, you said earlier, what if I just decided, well, I'm not going to do anything God's going to do at all? That's contrary to God's word. Because he told you to do some things. Did you know what I'm saying? He told you to do some things. So, you know, I'm going to let go and let God. I don't see that in the Bible. Okay? Might be in the book of George. Okay? The extra biblical book you can find online. Okay? But it's not there. Yes. Yes. So that's, that's a valid statement, let go and let God. But it, it should never mean let go of everything and let God do everything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, you, if you're talking to that person and suddenly it turns into a conversation that talks about Christ, it's your responsibility and the Holy Spirit will continue to talk to that person. Yeah. But it's not your responsibility to continue to try to manipulate that person into that conversation. Yeah, you're right, Bruce. And so let me, let me back up. When I say let go and let God, there is a sense in which you need to because maybe you're holding on to it may actually be the opposite effect. And faith is calling you to trust God with the issue. And so that's the point that Bruce is, I think, making there. What were you going to say, John? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. And I can tell you exactly when you're going to figure it out. Does anybody want to know when you're going to figure it out? Well, that's, yeah, there, but when you go to be with Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? Then you're going to realize how much you need to, what, you know what I'm saying? Because that is what you just described the Christian life, isn't it? How much is it for me to do what I need to do, and how much is it for me to trust and rely on him? Do you understand? And, and that's our struggle. There's one final point here. Finally, Paul pronounces grace to all those who sincerely love Jesus Christ. Sincerely love. 
Isn't that interesting that he, he would make that point of sincerity? Because even in his day, there were people that would say, I love Jesus, but were they sincere about it? You know? But what he wants for them is what he always wants for them, and what we want for our lives is grace, right? Grace. Okay, so that ends our study in Ephesians.